The Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra is Samsung's spiritual successor to the Galaxy Note. And we've got senior reviewer Nick Sutrick from Android Central on, along with Cliff, to chat about it. And it includes an impromptu tech yeah. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week, it's time for our full review of the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra. Cliff and I both have the Ultra, and so does Nick Sutrick from Android Central. The only difference is, he actually reviewed it, and I'll be honest, it's been kind of refreshing just using a phone and not having to examine every nook and cranny. So since I'm lazy, Nick's going to do all the work for me. <laughs> Plus, during the top story, we have an impromptu tech yeah for those of you who live that Android life, but also think that MagSafe is an amazing charging solution, because it is. And we will get to all of that, but first we have to get to the news of the week. You might remember Luna, which is Amazon's answer to cloud gaming. And if you're thinking, that sounds a lot like Stadia, that's very correct, except for the fact that Luna still exists. For those who don't remember what Luna is, I don't really blame you. It's been a long time since we talked about it. The main difference between Luna and other streaming gaming services is that Luna offers you games through the concept of channels. Luna originally launched with a couple of channels called Luna Plus and Prime Gaming, but Luna is adding four more channels called Family, Retro, Ubisoft, and Jackbox, ranging in price anywhere from $2.99 per month to $17.99 per month. Each channel will give you access to the games within that channel. It's not exactly the Netflix of games. It's more like the Amazon of Prime of games, and that actually makes a lot of sense now that I say it out loud. If you sign up for Luna Plus or Family before March 31st, you'll lock in the founder pricing for as long as you maintain your account in good standing. So that'll be $5.99 and $2.99 per month, as opposed to $9.99 and $5.99. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up. Personally, I won't be signing up for any of these because I'm not a gamer, which is a well-established podcast fact. Podcast fact. I should also mention that Luna has a channel for free for Amazon Prime members called Prime Gaming, which will offer a rotating list of titles from month to month. Overall, reviews are lukewarm for the service, mostly citing the lack of channel options. Amazon hopes to add more channels in the future, so hopefully those will add more value to the service. But for now, it's available, so go sign up and use my link, and I thank you. Recently on Doubting Thomas, Cliff and I talked about the absurdity of 240 watt charging for phones, and as it turns out, it is actually absurd, but not in the way we thought. Android Authority, which is well known for its highly technical and objective breakdowns of technology features, and good for them, but they broke down what 240 watt charging actually means. In short, it's Bupkiss. I mean, it's not really, but close. Basically, when Samsung or Apple or Xiaomi or Oppo advertise battery charging wattages, they're actually talking about peak wattages, which for some phones lasts for less than one minute. But don't worry, that's common for men of a certain age. 
The article goes on to say that a more important metric is 0 to 100% time, which, by the way, Oppo says will take approximately 10 minutes, so that's still pretty damn good. But overall, the key for this fast charging is proprietary technology, which means not only do you need the correct cable, but also the correct charging brick in order to benefit from those super fast speeds. While that makes perfect sense, it also sucks when the first letter of USB-C literally stands for universal. In short, Android still has a fragmentation problem, but now it's fragmentation of charging, which is just as bad, but not nearly as catchy. Speaking of Netflix, the streaming service has joined a growing list of tech companies who are discontinuing services in Russia over the Ukraine war, which according to Russia, by the way, is not a war. Whatever, Russia, go home, you're drunk, and... Statistically speaking, probably on vodka. Anyway, Netflix has already suspended four Netflix Originals projects being filmed in Russia before ultimately just pulling the plug on the service entirely. Russian subscribers comprised of around 1 million subscribers, or roughly one quarter of 1% of its membership, so it's not really a huge loss for the streaming service. But it will piss off that one Russian who is just two episodes into Season 3 of Stranger Things, and hey man... Dosvidanya, I feel your pain. But as one little last F you to Russia, Netflix also announced that it would make its 2015 documentary, Winter of Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom, available to watch for free. This is obviously not about this conflict, but another conflict from back in 2014 in which then-Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych refused to sign an agreement with the EU, instead focusing on building up its relationship with Russia instead. I know some would argue that it's the devil you know, but Russia is a pretty bad devil and I'm not sure the EU would be a worse devil. Moving past that, I'm not sure how much this little extra kick to Russian balls is going to affect things, but honestly, Russian citizens gotta be hurting after all this. I mean, even McDonald's is pulled out of Russia, and now where will Russians satisfy their McTato fixes? Where, I ask you. Apple unveiled its newest iPhone SE and iPad Air at its peak performance event, which, by the way, I'm not sure peak as in P-E-E-K was anything but a typo on the event announcement, and Apple just ran with it. Whatever. The new iPhone SE is a lot like the old iPhone SE in terms of design, which is a lot like the iPhone 8. Touch ID button, 4.7-inch screen, the main upgrades seem to be 5G and the A15 Bionic chip powering it. So yeah, you're getting the same processor as the one in the iPhone 13 Pro, but in a $429 package. And yes, I said $429. That's more than the 2020 edition, which came at just $399. It's only another $30, but the fact that the price starts with a 4 instead of a 3 is significant. Is the addition of 5G that big of a deal? Honestly, I'm not so sure. The iPhone SE does not support millimeter wave connectivity either, which... Honestly, that isn't a big deal, unless you're a Verizon PR executive or you work for Qualcomm. Millimeter Wave might have its place, but it has yet to demonstrate anything approaching valuable. The iPhone SE also has just a single camera, but now that's backed by the A15 processor, so you should be able to squeeze more out of it. I don't think I'll be reviewing it, unlike the 2020 version. I'm already comfortably moved into my S22 Ultra, and I have a freelancer doing it for digital trends. But I'm honestly not missing it either. I didn't particularly enjoy the 2020 version, mostly because it was too damn small, and since this phone is the exact same size, guess what? It's still too damn small. 
Apple also introduced the fifth generation of the iPad Air, and this bad boy is powered by Apple's super-powerful M1 processor, also found in the MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, and others. But to steal the criticism of one of my freelancers at Digital Trends, the problem is that this tablet starts at just 64 gigabytes of onboard storage for $599. The conundrum here is that if you are performing tasks that require the M1 processor, you are going to need more than 64 gigabytes of storage. If you aren't, then you don't need the M1. Like, once that story was pitched to me, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Anyway, the rest of the iPad Air is basically an exploded iPad Mini with Touch ID in the power button, narrow bezels, and speakers all around. It comes in five colors too, which is nice. Also, the camera is a big upgrade, switching to the same 12-megapixel ultrawide camera that supports center stage, meaning every iPad now supports that video feature. You're also getting 5G in the iPad Air, which is pretty great if you have a mobile plan, of course. So there are a lot of upgrades here, which puts the iPad Air in a really weird place. If you're going to upgrade to the next level of storage, which is 256 gigabytes, by the way, for $749, at that price, it's almost a better value to buy the iPad Air over the iPad Pro. Apple is potentially cannibalizing its own iPad Pro sales by slipping the M1 processor in there. There is something to be said for having an offering at all price levels, but this one just seems a bit too similar to ignore. Apple also introduced the M1 Ultra processor, which is basically two M1 Max processors super glued together. And seriously, Apple, M1 Ultra? Do companies just not have thesauruses these days? There are descriptive words out there other than Pro, Max, and Ultra people. Expand your vocabulary! Along with the M1 Ultra came the new Mac Studio and Studio Display. Now, I'm not even going to mention the Mac Studio and Studio Display in this new segment because, let's face it, if you want one, you already know far more about it than I do, so I won't waste your time. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not going to spend the money for them, and I won't waste your time. Suffice it to say that they're both awesome and both super powerful and hella expensive, so it's probably best if we just move on. The Biden administration issued an executive order to ask the government and the Federal Reserve to look into creating digital currency. Great. So basically, the government is looking into creating Bitcoin, but without the roller coaster of value. This would be more like stable coins that are based on actual U.S. currency. The order acknowledges that most of us already use a form of digital currency in the fact that most of our money exists only in ones and zeros in our bank accounts. Personally, I rarely carry any kind of cash, so yeah, this is 100% me. So this would be different in that it's backed up by a central bank as opposed to individual banks. This would be easier to use and not volatile, unlike other cryptocurrencies. The digital currency would be backed by the Federal Reserve, giving it stability and value based on the U.S. dollar. Of course, this is just an investigation into the idea of digital currency issued by the Federal Reserve. In six months, all parties involved will report back to the president and let him know what they found out. And boy, to be a fly on that wall. Um, no, Mr. President, you don't keep it in your billfold. And by the way, Mr. President, nobody says billfold anymore. So please, just try and pay attention, okay? So when and if this actually happens, I will be sure to report on it then. But for now, it's more of an interesting story. The Oppo Find X5 and X5 Pro are out, and they come with, uh, 
Okay, we'll call it an interesting feature. They can detect hidden cameras. The app is available in the Oppo store, which I didn't even know was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. The app is only available in China at the moment, but Oppo said it will roll out globally in the future. To detect a hidden camera, you need to turn off your Wi-Fi and hotspot, and the app will ask you to switch the lights on and off as well, presumably to try and detect IR lights used by a lot of cameras for night vision. If a camera is detected, the app will then play hot and cold with you until you get to where the camera is located. Oppo says that this is for use by frequent travelers and whatnot and can be used in hotel rooms, changing rooms, spas, and other places t people tend to get naked. That's a good use case, I suppose. It's not entirely clear how the app detects hidden cameras, so that's a little fuzzy. But what's even weirder is that this is coming from a Chinese company, and it's only released in China at the moment, and I have to wonder how the Chinese government feels about this feature. Well, anyway, surveillance, thy name is China, so it probably rolled out in the most useful place at the moment, and for that, we can all be thankful. But here's hoping I never need to use this feature, because... Huh. A British biotech firm called Oxitech got FDA approval to release 2 billion with a B genetically modified mosquitoes into parts of California and Florida in an effort to reduce the population of the insects. Mosquitoes are basically the a-holes of the insect world, sucking blood and making you itch and spreading disease willy-nilly. The genetically modified males that will be released have been engineered to produce infertile offspring, meaning the next generation of mosquitoes will be the last in theory, but there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, two billion mosquitoes will only cover parts of Florida and California? Parts of those states? Two billion only covers parts? Jesus Christ! Second, by all reports, mosquitoes are not required in any part of the food chain. Numerous environmental studies have shown that if all the mosquitoes in the world were to suddenly drop dead, there would be very little impact in most ecological systems. So in other words, mosquitoes' only function is to spread disease and be bastards. Personally, I hope for the widespread success of this program, and maybe we can extend it into parts of... I don't know, Illinois, Chicago, pretty please? Well, here's hoping that California and Florida have less of those jerks to deal with, and let's also hope that all of those reports that say we'll be just fine without mosquitoes are actually right. But if the 2020s have been any indication thus far, we're probably all screwed. And finally, you might think that America is all about excess, and... Well, you'd be mostly right. How else would you describe a single country that contains Las Vegas, Disney World, and approximately 32.6% of the world's wealth, despite only having 4.25% of the population? And all of that is nice, but nothing says access like, I don't know, uh, 110 feet and 1 and 1 half inches of limousine. There's a story here, because let's face it, there has to be. So the original American Dream Limousine, that's the name by the way, was built in the 1990s by Jay Orberg. He's the guy who actually designed and built cars like the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard, racism notwithstanding, and Batmobiles from the Tim Burton Batman era, which for the record was about 11 Batmans ago, so try to keep up. At the time, the American Dream set the world record for the world's longest automobile at 110 feet. It had a jacuzzi with diving board, helicopter pad, 
waterbed, putting green, multiple rooms, and seating for around 75 of your closest friends. And believe me, if you're driving around in this limousine, you have 75 very close friends. It drives on two engines, 26 wheels, and oh, by the way, two drivers, and is a bitch to parallel park. But then it got parked into a parking lot and just kind of left there because... What the hell else are you going to do with 110 feet of limousine? So it sat there for decades. When it was last located in 2018, it was basically falling apart. Most of the interior and windows were gone, and it was just left to rot. Enter a group of car builders, including Michael Manning. They found the car in that parking lot, and long story short, it ended up in Florida, and they got to work. Two and a half years and $250,000 later, and the American Dream is back up and running, complete with video footage of a helicopter landing on the helipad. It's insane and magical and stupid, but mostly awesome. There's a link to the project in the show notes, and I strongly encourage you to check it out. Nick Sutrick is a friend and former colleague who made a similar jump as me last year, going from freelance to full-time tech junkie. And now he's a full-time tech writer, and he's here to tell us all about the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra and how much he hates that goddamn phone. Nick, how you doing this afternoon? <laughs> I, or this I, hate it. I hate it a little less this week than I did last week, so well, you know, there's good. that. That's good. Um, yeah, I was I was listening to uh, the Android Central podcast, which, by the way, nice relaunch. That was a very cool uh, little personnel change that you had over there. Doing all of you are doing quite well. Um, so I was listening to uh, your your podcast on the S twenty two over there, and uh, yeah, I was gonna say um, you weren't really much of a fan, but uh, apparently that that opinion has changed. So. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as the podcast segment went. Oh, I'm putting you on the spot here, buddy. No, no, no. It, it's good. Like, we okay, you know, you got the show notes, and then you have what actually ends up going on in the show, and then you get the time, and everyone's like, "I'm done talking about this. Let's just end it." And right. I feel no, like we totally ended not. up um, focusing a bit more on the negative than I originally intended, but you know, understood. That kind of happens and- sometimes, especially when you're just chatting about stuff. You know, that, that pops up oh, with yeah. the phone. A lot of times, negative is the first thing you think of. Mm. That's right. That's and if right. you had and that collective experience, sort of leads you to that right. in your conversation, then it all goes downhill from there. Pretty yeah. much. And for those of you who are not watching the video feed, Cliff Thomas is also here. Good evening, Cliff. How are you? Good evening. As usual, I am tired and I am uh, consuming caffeine so that I don't fall asleep on the podcast. Yeah, Wait, we, we does, don't, we definitely don't want you to pull caffeine? Orion. Yes. Oh. oh, yeah. For some reason, oh, I yeah. thought it was caffeine-free. There's no, a diet it... caffeine-free diet coke. I mean, maybe, there's maybe a... that's right. what I'm thinking of. There's right. so many different coke <laughs> somethings. Add a word here. <laughs> Tell me about I it. I highly recommend the new uh, Starlight uh, flavor that Coke just introduced, which is available in a zero-sugar flavor. It tastes kind of like, um, oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch combined with uh, a little bit of vanilla. And and Coke. Um, okay. That was... Uh, All right. Huh. <laughs> I can see why they would have sent that to Iron Gate, Virginia to test out. <laughs> anyway. I don't even know um, what to say that, to that. Like, what does that even right. mean? Right. 
<laughs> well, I, and actually, like, I think the small town uh, guys uh, outnumber the uh, big city boys here because, you know, Nick is not exactly a booming from a booming metropolis either. So I guess I better keep these small town jokes to a minimum this time around. But anyway, why don't we just not talk about small towns at all and let's talk about big phones instead? Nice. Because the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra is the spiritual successor to the Galaxy Note. Basically, um, and you know, we've said that on the podcast here before. That's not a startling revelation. But Nick, I wanted to start off with you, and I just wanted to get your kind of your high level view. Like, what's your overall impression of the S twenty two Ultra? And this is your opportunity to start talking positively. There you go. So, um, you know, with, with Samsung phones, I always. I tend to really like the experience. Um, you know, Samsung software has gotten unbelievably better over the last couple of years. I it really was a low would... bar, but yes. What's that? <laughs> it was a low bar, but you are right. Yeah, well, that's true. But, I mean, I, I would say, and I'm, I'm pretty sure very few people would argue that, you know, it's easily the best version of Android right now. UI-wise, I mean, features-wise, it doesn't feel like a, a crammed mess anymore. You can add things in there as you want. Um, just generally, it's it's a good experience. I'm gonna I, put it in a vote for the Pixel experience, but yeah, okay, we'll get we'll go I, with that. Now, granted, I prefer the look of the Pixel UI, but if okay. I could get the Pixel UI with Samsung features, that would be, I'd say, pretty much the ideal phone for me. So, mm, okay. you know, I mean, you could always theme the thing. They have a gajillion different themes. You download <laughs> right. download yeah. Goodlock, and then you put Theme Park on there, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could get it pretty close to a Pixel phone. I actually haven't tried that yet, but now that I say it, I'm pretty sure I'm going to try it. So. I didn't even challenge accepted. Said, so it's fine. Uh, no, um, no. Honestly, with Samsung, like the Samsung experience, the only thing that I really don't like still is the app launcher. And I've said this a number of different yeah. times. I don't like the side-scrolling app launcher just because it's like you know, got him. Bashing my phone all over the place here. Yeah, it's like flip, 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 flip. And then you get to Z and you can't even go around to A. That's the part that bugs me. And then, like, I'm looking for a Google app and it's just like, where is this Google? Oh, it's in the Google folder. It's all the way back here. Yeah, or or the random. I love the random Samsung folder because not all Samsung (laughs) apps are in that one. So, like, I'll go to look for one and I'll be like, oh, it's not in this folder. It's in, in the regular app drawer. And then, you know, there's, yeah. of course, the other way around. You're like, oh, of course, it's in the regular app drawer because last time I looked for something, it was there. Nah, it's in the Samsung folder. The one that I don't understand as far as uh, apps that are in the Samsung folder, because I, I would think it's something that someone want, would, a lot of users would like to have quick access to, even from, uh, you know, just moving into the phone would be the Files app. Why is that buried in that folder? Why? It's almost like a system level app. Like, why is it there? Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. Well, and it's also kind of weird that, you know, Samsung's still in, still using its own Files app when, you know, Google Files is there. And uh, Samsung has Google-fied pretty much every other stock app except for, like, that and Notes. And Samsung is never going to use Google Keep. Um, we, Nor we got do I pretty want clear, them to. <laughs> well, sure. But we got a pr- pretty clear demonstration of that fact at uh, the Samsung Unpacked event when they kept going on and on and on about Notes. I would say the the decision, uh, yeah, that Samsung has made with One UI, and I guess it's been like this for a while. Where, yeah, you're, especially if you use gestures, where you're you're 
uh, you bring up the app drawer, which is which is an upswipe, and then everything else is left and right. Why? It's so unintuitive, and it. I, I don't yeah, know. Are weird. there are there any other? Well, like I'm trying. Well, to think and of especially other since they put that Samsung Pay drag handle oh, God. down at the bottom by default. So, That's the like, first thing I turn off on every Samsung phone. But well, then sure, again, me too. Gestures are not enabled by default on a Samsung phone, which is another weird one. It's still the three button thing by default, and I don't even think it's in the mm. initial setup to configure gesture navigation. I'd have to go through it again to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, I think when I I brought my stuff over from my old phone, and so I think it it, it brought that Any choice in as a result. But yeah, I think you're right. All right, so let's uh, let's talk more specifically about the S22 Ultra. We'll we'll start off with the design because you know usually people talk about the hardware first. So this definitely harkens back to, you know, note architecture for sure. And which is which is wonderful for me because up until now, I've never had a note. So th- this is actually my first exposure to the note note culture. And um you know, I it's it's very it's very boxy. It's not uh, it's it's most smartphones that I use have much much wider radius um, edges on uh, on the corners, yep. so it tends to it tends to dig in a little bit. But honestly, I don't I don't mind it all that much. So, what, what, what how are you feeling about like that that whole that whole design language? And actually, Cliff, I want to get your your notes on that too, being a designer. So, as somebody who bought the original Galaxy Note, has had most of the notes um, around. The last time I actually owned a Note was the Note 9. And I know over the years, the phones had become boxier and boxier. I never used the Note 10 or the Note 20 like for more than a few minutes, right? I didn't get to review those because I I was on hiatus, basically, from reviews during those times. And then coming back to this as a Note device, I'm like, I hate this these square corners even more than I hated the ones before because it's they are it's literally a 90 degree angle I mean you know the Mm -hmm. the radius on this is obviously I'm like I'm like trying to figure out which way to to aim this this is like a perfect half circle which is fine and all right but this is a complete 90 degree angle and when you're holding this in your palm that crap Mm -hmm. hurts (laughs) this is I mean I know this is not a one-handable phone like again I'm like trying to aim it in the the camera here (laughs) I can't reach with my thumb any higher up than maybe halfway, right? Like, this is not a yeah. one-handable phone. But still, right. if I'm just holding this and I'm reading something, I'm typically holding it like this and I'm, you know, scrolling with the other finger. And after a few minutes of it digging into my palm, I'm like, man, this is this is not my favorite phone design. That's for darn sure. I will say I feel like, in general, aesthetically, the phone is a little more balanced. Um, not having that module on, on the one side, I don't feel mm-hmm. like, you know, because it is so far up, it, it makes it handle any differently. Um, it, it definitely, uh, is, is a distinctly different phone from, uh, the rest of, of this year's S line and that it does. And it does feel and handle like, uh, the last couple of notes that I've had. Um, I, I will agree with you in, in, as an aside in saying that it is a very slippery phone. Although what Samsung phone hasn't been slippery over the last two or three years? I mean, I I had in return a, a Flip Three, which was even worse than this. My goodness, that was a phone mm. that I couldn't leave on on a surface for more than a, a few seconds without worrying about it being on the floor. And definitely, I needed a case with it. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big one, 
And uh, I mean, I for me, it's definitely a two hand phone for most things. I'm I'm even with a case on, uh, you know, still afraid of, of dropping it. I I've heard some or read some horror stories on Twitter about people that have dropped it from like eighteen inches and, and shattering the back glass, even though it's Victus Ooh. on both sides. So yeah, like, Ooh, geez, I think good. yeah, I think that was Max Weinbeck. Actually, I could be wrong, but. That wouldn't, wouldn't surprise, surprise me. me. No, no. Wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> he is a destroyer James. of phones. <laughs> it's like I'm trading this in and it looks like he's been using it as a skateboard. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, if there's anybody that's going to durability test a phone in real life, it's him. Yeah, probably. Probably. So, Nick, I saw you grabbing another phone off of the side there. Was that the S22? This is, this is the S22 hmm. Plus. <laughs> I have to think about okay. it sometimes. Right. I So... This camera hump, way better. 100% better. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I... at least from a reviewer's perspective, every time I pick this thing up, I have to, like, wash it off to get all of the lint yeah. and crud mm. off of the lenses. And, yeah, like, I'm sure for, true. you know, like a normal person, that's not a big deal. But when I got to take pictures of this thing all day, I, pre- I have to, <laughs> like, spend 10 minutes in Photoshop cleaning the dust off of it, even after I wash it off. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. it drives oh, me yeah. nuts. Um, I mean, that's me for every device, but yeah. (laughs) This is definitely more prone to it than usual. It's like um, Huawei devices back in like the P20, P30, they were really bad with that too. And it was Mm. kind of the same reason. They they had those protruding uh, lenses and, Mm. you know, it's just you pull it out of your pocket and it just grabs every bit of lint in there that you didn't realize (laughs) was in there. If you put a case on it, though, it completely solves the problem. And, you know... it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, this design is, I think, more aesthetically pleasing. It's more practical. It's just better overall. But most people mm-hmm. put a case in their phone, and you don't even see mm-hmm. the thing, and nobody cares. So, I don't know. Very true. I, I, it's, so, <laughs> yeah. speaking of cases, I'm going to take the take the opportunity to do kind of an impromptu tech yeah. And um, I want to talk about the case that I have on my phone. You may notice it has a MagSafe circle on the back of it this is something that really every case manufacturer should do and i'm specifically calling out zag because zag actually has like snap accessories that it makes specifically for like um specifically for iphones like they have the snap ring and the snap adapters and like a whole bunch of other snap accessories zag you really need to get on this but anyway this is not zag this is a different brand whose name escapes me and i'm going to look it up as we talk um but so i i actually speaking of max weinbach i i got this um recommendation from him because he was showing it off and everyone's like I forget what, like, nobody was focused on the fact that this is a MagSafe case, and yet it was. So this is, the the name of the case is called Galapple, so G-A-L-A-P-P-L-E. I don't know what that means, but anyway. So, I mean, it's it's a clear case, and, you know, you can see it's got a nice uh, tight cutout where the camera hump is, but it also has the snap ring built into it, which I've got, I don't know if I... I switched off the tab, so I don't know if this is even in frame anymore. Oh, no. But yeah, so I've got... Can I reach it? Okay, so this is like a little... This is an anchor... Mm. Anchor um, um, uh, uh, charger thing, which may or may not have been a tech yet. I don't remember. Link in the show notes. But anyway, so the snap, uh, the snap ring just snaps right on there, and you can't quite see it because it's just... The cable isn't long enough. But I, here, if I do this... Here, 
scoot the camera. So what you're saying is if you've so. got a lot of accessories for Apple stuff, then you should get this for your Samsung phone. <laughs> or well, or no, you well, could buy the accessories after you buy this for your Samsung mm. phone. And then you have it for your Apple phone if you decide to switch right. later on. But but no, I mean seriously, the snap ring is awesome. I have a I have a um, a snap um, one of the Zag um, snap um, phone holders in my car where I just like stick it on and it magnetically charges. The only downside I'm going to say about this, and I think this is I don't know if this is like common to android phones or just android phones and magnets or something but like if i put this on a uh, a, a magsafe charger 50 percent of the time it will fill up to 100 percent and then stop charging and then it'll just sit there on the charger not charging and then i'll wake up in the morning and the phone's back down to like you know 80 percent or something like that which really irritates me That's and weird. it's happened with it's happened with this it's happened with the 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 zag ring snap adapters that i've put on <laughs> onto cases and it's happened on multiple kinds of phones too so like i don't know why it does that but it's kind of irritating but uh hmm. but that's like my only downside then this case is like 15 bucks so it's it's you know it's right in line with the, most of the cases that you're gonna that you're gonna buy for your phone and less than others um and the only other downside is it took me like two weeks to get it because like it wasn't prime eligible for this right. like, reason. This is so. like podcast inception. You're doing a, a many <laughs> a many episode within a podcast episode. That's kinda But you know what's great about this is now I don't have to write this. There you <laughs> go. So ah. so uh, yeah, so that's uh that's our tech yeah. So Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. Let's let's talk about the cameras because right. you know we're we're already twenty six minutes into this thing, so we should probably start talking about the cameras. And I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of. Here's the nice thing about my ownership of the S twenty two Ultra: I haven't had to review it, <laughs> so I haven't like you know um, been intentionally going around and like taking a whole crap load of photos with it. I've only just been doing you know the photos that I would normally be taking. Like, um, you know, yesterday I went to a Lego, expo uh, a Le a Lego um, display, which was 
by the way, really cool. Um, but uh, but so I was like taking pictures of that, and I was shooting some video of that. And but like otherwise, I haven't had to go out in like sub-zero temperatures and like walk around my uh, my city town hall like I normally do. I haven't had to bribe my daughter to uh, do any like jumping around like I normally <laughs> have to. So it's been kind of nice. So yeah, Nick, since is. you're the only one that's actually looked at this with a reviewer's eye, I'll just go ahead and let you talk. All right. Well, um, <laughs> speaking of kids jumping around, right? So that that is uh, remains the biggest weak point of the camera. Um, in my review of of it on Android Central, um, I perfect timing with the review process, right? Because um, my son turned eight. He had a birthday party that weekend, and all the kids were inside jumping around. And I was like, "Oh, perfect! Here we go. I'll snap some pictures of them being crazy eight year olds and." Let's see how and it I'll goes. And I'll get their parents to sign disclaimers later. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I made sure to not like include a bunch of kids' faces on the review. So you know, there's gotcha. that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the basic gist of it is, if you're putting it side by side with the Pixel Six Pro or Pixel Six probably as well, most of the time the Pixel Six is going to get a shot that has a clear face in it because Google mm-hmm. went way out of their way to make sure that that was a thing. And yeah. Samsung really hasn't yet. Now, okay. um, since um, Shaka got our uh, review unit for the video review on Android Central, he's been testing out different things with his dogs. And he okay. figured out that if you swipe over on the shutter button and do the burst, right, which yeah. that's one of those things I always forget exists because it, it it's just so hidden. Like, who's going to remember to swipe down right. or over on the shutter button? It's kind of weird. Um, one hundo agree. Yeah, I, I think you can change it in settings, too. I have to look to, to be sure. But in any case, if you use the burst mode, you can pretty much always pick out a clear shot in there. But, you mm-hmm. know, there's that whole, now i got to go through it, and i got to pick through all these pictures and find one that I like. Maybe it's not a big deal to you. But for the most part, that was where I really found the camera to be weakest. Yeah, okay, so, um, so indoors... The, the camera has trouble with faces unless you go to burst mode, so important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. How about um, outdoors, or what about nighttime? Because I know Samsung made a big to-do about nighttime, and especially video in nighttime. Right. So um, I just finished up an article today on uh, nightography, which is what they call it, versus okay. um, Google's night site, which you know for a long time has kind of been the gold standard in the industry i, I think yeah. huawei was the only other one that that really challenged them for a long time and now they're kind of irrelevant <laughs> at, at least outside of china I, you know I sadly mean, yes it, yeah. It, yeah trust me it sucks i miss them but mm-hmm. um i was really impressed with uh just the performance um in fact i i gave the s22 the the crown over the pixel 6 in Ooh. in nighttime it's it's okay. like it's like a little bit better. We're not talking like, oh yeah, it's way you know heads and tails better. And it depends right. on the situation. Like, um, I noticed the the white balance. Samsung does a way better job of white balance for whatever reason with Google software. When you change the night mode, it like screws the color science up. I I've forgotten at this point why there is a reason for that. It's just the way they do the multi frame capture. But yeah, Samsung mm-hmm. nails the white balance. Um, Detail wise, you know, it's it's kind of tr- typical traditional. Samsung processing um, at in nighttime it's not as vibrant so it looks more correct you know again with the white balance and the colors it actually looks right well, that's good um, it's lacking a little bit of detail in especially from the main sensor under night shots 
Telephoto shots, like, okay, so during the day, right, I'm, I'm sure everyone's seen the, the gajillion comparisons there are on Twitter or oh, wherever yeah. else, right? Like, zoom-wise, during the day, it's nuts. You're pretty much not going to beat it. I mean, there's almost no circumstance you're going to beat it. At night, though, it trades blows with the Pixel 6 Pro, which is, okay. I, I feel like, surprising just because you're talking about a 10x optical lens versus the, a 4x on the Pixel. you know. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you've got 10 megapixel sensor on the Galaxy versus 48 megapixel on the Pixel 6. Too many pixels in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so many pixels. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah, anyway. So at night, they trade blows. Um, I, I would say that the S22 Ultra, you know, again, maybe a slight advantage overall, but mm-hmm. really for the most part, it's not as big of a difference as you see during the day. Um, so I... I remember from my S21 Ultra review, at night, the aperture on the 10 megapixel uh, 10x zoom was so small that it was basically unusable at night. Has that been addressed at all in this? Definitely. In this? Now, um, it has. Okay. Yes and no, right? Okay, so. Now, <laughs> let's not get too hasty when we say usable. Uh, <laughs> okay, so <yeah>. usable. <laughs> let's just start with the basics, right? Night mode, you can only go up to 10x zoom when you're in dedicated okay. night mode. Okay. If you go to yeah. auto, there's no restriction. You go to 100, whatever. Um, so it's kind of weird. It's like it decides when to use that um, you know, 10x optical sensor when mm, you're in okay. night mode, depending on the lighting conditions. But okay. it's nowhere near as, as, I guess, finicky, we'll say, as the S21 Ultra was. For the most part, like mm. I said, you're going to get... A really nice shot and you might even want to use auto if you're zooming in really far because it it does a surprisingly good job with just a, a quick shutter snap and you don't have to wait for the night mode to, to process all that stuff too have you, yeah. have you i'll have... be honest i half the time i figure i forget night mode is actually a thing so that's, <laughs> i mean that's the kind of thing it, I, I just want ai to kick in for me yeah if you, if you don't mind and that's fair <laughs> because it's the dedicated night mode is not even on the carousel by default you have to go into other modes and you have to you know yeah. click add drag it over hit done like there's a lot of extra steps in there that i feel like most people will never do so right. by default you know the auto mode picks night mode automatically depending on the the lux level and various other things so if you're just have it on auto and you zoom in or whatever it's going to do its thing or it's not going to do its thing that's that's really the end of it gotcha so i yeah i would say go. their their software is smart enough to just keep it on auto and use it i don't really think you need to use auto mo- or night mode unless you're you're in a situation where you're not sure if you're going to trust the the software's guidance you know, then maybe put it on night mode. But for the most part, it's it's not necessary. Auto mode is great. What about for, like, video? Because I know they talked about the automatic frame rate adjustment, which, I mean, you know, when, the, when they mentioned that, I'm just like, oh, yeah, frame rate. That probably has a lot to do with, like, crappy night <laughs> night video. <laughs> night well, yeah, I mean, you so. look, there's, there's so many camera sensors out there. As soon as the ISO jumps up, the frame rate just takes a nosedive. Um, yeah. I haven't so, noticed any uh, issues like that. It, the, the video on this is super, super clean at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when, when the Pixel 6 came out, that was the probably the biggest complaint I feel like I heard with the camera was as soon as the, the lights go down, boy, the noise creeps way up. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't... Like, one thing I was really impressed with was how good the front-facing camera was on the S22 okay. Ultra. 
Um, okay. Typically, I mean, it's a front-facing camera. I don't care about it that much. They're all pretty mm-hmm. much the same. I mean, there's a little bit of quality difference, but I feel like most front-facing cameras are similar enough. This was noticeably better in every lighting condition. Um, hmm. And then their portrait okay. mode, they have that new... I forget what they call it. The the oh, AI yeah, yeah. the AI the multi sensor the multi pixel thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I forget. Yeah, the I know term. what you're talking I'm, about. I don't feel like scrolling through my review because you know it's all the way on that monitor over there or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's way too, too far. It's too away. many words. It's fine. Um, yeah. That does an amazing job of identifying like even even hair. Like if you got like a little errant ear hair or something, it's gonna pick that off and not blur that thing out. Like. <laughs> Really? It's rid- okay. It's ridiculous I mean, like, how good it is. It is. It and is and really for a good. hairy guy like me, that's kind of an important thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's usually usually for my portrait mode shots, I'll go outside and take a couple of photos having not brushed my hair yet just to see <laughs> how it does. And usually I get like splotches. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, and this this probably will not do that or if it if it does, hmm. it'll do it way less often than I mean any other phone I've used. It's it's Very phenomenal. Cool. Now the uh, from what I recall on my S twenty one review the S twenty one FE I, I recall the portrait mode being particularly good on that too probably not exactly the same science but it wouldn't if, it wouldn't surprise me if it was like an early version of it maybe that they were testing out yeah I would think um, so too have you uh, have you had a chance to to uh, download and, and play with uh, Expert Raw um, I used it a little bit yes it's I. <laughs> That's never something I'm going to use on a phone, uh, so I didn't really spend very much time with it. But I know I have seen plenty of comments where you know somebody will point out, hey, it's a little soft, like the image is a little soft. I wish there was a little more fine detail. Right. And mm. almost always the first co- comment is, well, just use RAW. Oh, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I right. have time to edit all my RAW photos. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, just use RAW and spend the next 30 minutes in Lightroom, um, you know, pulling out all those... All those details before you post it to Instagram. That's going right. to garbage Completely it up anyway. Them anyway. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. it's like I don't, I don't even look back at most of my pictures anyway. I'm definitely not spending the time to edit the ones I don't ever look at. So, <laughs> I, right. I think it's nice to have that as an option, especially with the the, the composite one that it, that it'll do uh, that it's oh, yeah. supposed to. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not something, especially when I mean. And I think you guys kind of made this point that the majority of the photos that you're taking are in the moment with your kids or with your pets. And you certainly aren't gonna aren't gonna aren't gonna spend the time to, you know, open up Expert Raw and and, and uh, configure your <laughs> the controls to get something that's decent. Right. I, don't know, I mean, in the same point, I almost feel like the the uh, the while the zoom capability is is technically impressive. I mean, again, is it something you're going to use that much beyond like 10x? I so back when smartphones first started adding you know, telephoto lenses on them when it was like 2X or whatever. Right. I, I was always like, okay, if I'm going to have two cameras, give me an ultra wide angle. I don't want this 2X telephoto crap. This is useless. Right. Now that we have 3X, 4X, 10X, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do find it very useful. Like I actually use it way more often than than I would have ever thought I would. And I think it's because you have the capability and then mm-hmm. once you have oh, yeah. that confidence of, oh, I can zoom into that thing way over there, then you do it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, we actually need to kind of wrap up here. So I just want to spend like two minutes talking about battery life um, because I know that was actually a bit of a pain point for you. I wonder if that has improved because, uh, you know, Samsung's adaptive battery life is supposed to be um, pretty good. So, like, I just wanted to get your uh, get your opinion on battery life for the Ultra. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to praise it or bash it. It's just fine. I mean, okay. So like in, in my experience, because I have the, because I have the, um, what's it called? Where the snap, the snap thing, where you put the thing on the magnet thing, because MagSafe? I have that, I, the MagSafe, MagSafe, that's the one I totally blanked <laughs> out on the name of it. Um, the thing, because the thing. I have that, because I have that when I tend to put my phone down, I tend to put it down on a charger. And also the fact that I have like four wireless chargers on my desk. Fair. When I put my phone down, I tend to put it down on a wireless charger. So I have not gotten a good sense of battery life since I've owned the phone because it's just like, it, it's just, you know, my use case is so particularly weird. That's like, fair. When I'm reviewing a phone, I have to like remind myself, don't put this down on a charger. <laughs> right. Because you need to know how long this thing lasts. But I haven't, like I said, I haven't reviewed this phone i haven't had to so right um, um for me i yeah. would say it it gets me through a day i, I okay. typically never have an issue it'll get very low percentage by the end of the day um mm. i don't feel the sweat quite as much as i did with the fold three um okay. i feel like the fold three's average battery life is a little bit less than this hmm. one thing that i did notice though um the s22 ultra does a much better job under heavy load so, like, if I'm playing Fortnite with my son and I play for, like, two yeah. hours, the Fold 3 is basically dead after two hours of a game like that. Whereas the S22 Ultra might have lost 50%. Okay, great. Um, well, you know what? I, I've kept you here about as long as I said I would, so I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat about the S22 Ultra slash Note, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and so now it's time to go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you, and you can... Tell the folks what you have going on and, uh, you know, professionally or personally or whatever, how we can find you on the Internet, all that good stuff. So I pretty much only use Twitter. Um, okay. My handle on there is Guanatu. It's G-W-A-N-A-T-U. I had to think about how to spell it. That's pretty much the same <laughs> handle I use on everything. So if you want to go okay. on Instagram. Um, so, uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about the S22 Ultra. And since this is going to be the top story, I guess I should just go ahead and do the the whole shebang outro, right? Because that's how we've been doing these last few. And honestly, it's a lot easier to edit. So, please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed what you're hearing. And if you really liked it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. And if you want some early access action, jump onto Patreon at patreon.com slash benefitofadoubt. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadoubt.com slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes and for coming on and talking with Nick about the S22 Ultra. But most of all, and as always, I would like to thank all of you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the doubt.